You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here with uh, Jeff and Ken. Matt over stream. How are all of you? Apparently Matt's very good. I'm Matt's okay a little giggly, I think, today. Yeah. <laughs> Neil asked him not once, not twice, but thrice within a minute before recording if he was doing okay. So, Matt, how are you doing today? I am good, and I'm ready. Still good. Still good. <laughs> and I'm ready standing. to record. I had a Charlie horse, and now, yep. now I have to stand. Matt, you're standing with one knee up, kind of like Captain Morgan. That's that's the goal. And yeah. we're not joking this time. You actually are standing up with one knee. But no one will ever know. Your visual, this visual gags are great. Uh, Ken, uh, speaking of visual gags, recently you uh, took up painting? Yes. How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot of hard lessons early on because I'm not a painter. I'm not a draw a drawist. You just drive? <laughs> I just drive. Uh, and now what kind of paintings are you doing? Are these like Pollocks? Are these mo- like modern art, uh, definitely, abstract? Definitely all those things. <laughs> it doesn't matter what he's doing. He definitely incorporates I'm doing, I'm doing into Pollock, the work. I'm doing so. Pollock uh, forgeries. He's trying to That's find good... his voice, Neil. Give him a minute. Yeah, I'm trying to find my voice. Okay, well, we, we won't uh, look down on, on you. I mean, Literally and metaphorically. I'm looking down my, on all I of still you have from that my cough standing going position. On. Yeah, Ken does have a cough uh, still happening here from a, a past few episodes, so uh, disregard that, and if he's a little quiet, it's just because he's uh, you know, his suffering. Lung, his lungs are healing. So, um, But we do have someone here with a strong voice in Matt's seat. And strong lungs. Strong lungs. The first time someone sat in Matt's seat since Matt has departed the, the podcasts, uh, and uh, we're excited to have him ear... Ear? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're excited to have him ear. <laughs> I, I literally I was thinking of Love Actually for some reason. I was like, Boy, we're excited to have bloke? him ear. Uh, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Um, anyway, so we have a special <laughs> friend here uh, who we know in person. We've we've uh, hung out with him many, many times at that Pub we Trivia. we know in person. <laughs> You, uh, I believe people call those friends now. No, he is he is a friend of the show and and in real life. Uh, we're excited to have him here. Uh, I can't. I did it again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have the giggles. Uh, anyway, uh, coming to us from Brookfield, Illinois. Not a robot supporter on Patreon. Earl Baum, how are you, Earl? All right. Thanks for having me here. Of course. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking to you about the show for a really long time. You've been listening for a long time. You always give us crop drop questions. That's so. true. Tell people a little bit about yourself, maybe how you found the show, how you know us uh, fools over here, and sure. anything else. 
A long time ago, my brother and his wife invited me to pub trivia. I showed up uh, with Jay Borsum leading the uh, way, asking all the questions, and then uh, I just kind of met the rest of you. Uh, I had known Neil since his freshman year of high school. Yep. Uh, best friends with my brother, mm -hmm. and uh, played against you guys, and it's always a friendly rivalry. Yeah, it's so, always a, it's always a fun time. What was the yeah. name of your team that you always had? We, uh, was Moron Ass Job. Okay, and then Jay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then Jay changed names, so now we are now known as Rambo's Joy. Uh, Moron Ass oh, Job was an anagram of Jason Borsum. Oh, so. I love that uh, Rambo's Joy. It's Rambo's Joy now. It sounds like a kid For, version of Rambo. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, and uh, you, you're going to be hosting today's game. I'll be hosting today's game. So hopefully it's all good. doesn't suck. And we'll find out. Anything you need uh, to tell us or we need to know? It is a location-based game. Okay. So, I don't know what that means, but I'm excited. Um, I will say, I think I've told this story on the podcast, though, but, but Earl saved my life uh, twice. So <laughs> That's uh, true. Was he there when you were in the, the log? He was. was. When, he, when he made the tent because Neil has no... Um, skills. Yeah, I don't like the yes. outdoors. So we were outdoorsy skills. We're at he has skills. <laughs> James, James, uh, his brother. Uh, I was at the bachelor party, and we we're there together. And Earl said, "I'll make sure I, I get a tent for you, so you're safe for, from the elements." And I think it rained that night, but you it built did. you built a whole tent. Yep. For me, which was great. And then the next day, all of the guys went uh, kayaking or beer kayaking. I don't know what you call it, but um, Earl and I, you just we decided to walk along the trail, and you were geocaching. That's true. Uh, which I've never tried before, but I know you love it, and it seems you know pretty fun. Um, so we were doing that, and I said, hey, Earl, wouldn't it be funny if I went outside on this log and, and taunted these guys for kayaking when they could be geocaching with us, and then I slipped and fell neck deep into the water? One of the few people not kayaking who only wound up wet. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so good times. So lesson learned. Yeah. Shall we get to the rules? Who are? Yeah, well, what are the teams, though? Uh, the teams are me and you, and uh, in honor of Earl, we're going to be the Spice Earls. Love it. Um, named after a movie that Winona Ryder stole the spotlight in, uh, will be Earl Interrupted. Okay, and Earl, any uh, preference on the rules read? We've don't, had a lot. Of... We have some new ones. Oh, we do. We have uh, we have a Queen Elizabeth from the Crown uh, rules reading, and we also have Hank Hill. Ooh, Hank Hill does sound appealing. Okay, let's hear some Hank Hill. The rules of the game are simple: twenty questions split into two rounds, worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter a final round with the points that they have accumulated, and they will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Whoa! Okay, well, thank you very much to Andy Warnock uh, for that uh, wonderful Hank Hill impression. Um, and, uh, you know, note to everyone, if you want to send in a rules impression, it could even just be your own voice. You're, you're totally able to do that. So just record the rules. If you need the, the rules written, I can send you the file, and you can just email them to trivialitypodcast at gmail.com. Could be a great impression. Could be your worst impression. But we'll have it in the rotation, and if someone calls it out, we're going to play it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, Earl, uh, since you like uh, geocaching... Uh, and you love location and longitude and latitude and coordinates and all that stuff, um, it's time to give you the compass and find direction. Wow. Wasn't, wasn't <laughs> my best. Earl, why don't you put this game on the map? All right. <laughs> oh, so question one, uh, category, a location-based game. Selectability, 
Selective availability was turned off on May 2nd, 2000. The next day, David Ulmer hit a black plastic bucket out in the woods. The bucket contained software, videos, books, money, and a can of beans. And he posted the Beaver Creek, Oregon location online. What is the current name of the activity David Ulmer created? Is this is this geocaching? Geocaching? I don't I understand. It, I, don't, I believe it I don't, has to be. I believe it's been said several times. Yeah. Well, let's say it one more time. Let me say geocaching. And we're going to lock in with geocaching as well. Yep. Geocaching is correct. Uh, originally, it was called the Great American GPS Stash Hunt, but uh, geocaching is much easier to say. There you go. Well, geocaching is the theme of this. the rest of this game. So I've pulled the rest of the categories um, based off geocaching. The clues are the uh, the questions may or may not be related. So okay. kind of okay. stream of thought. Cool. There we go. Question two. Traditional. This is the most basic type of geocache. There will be a container of some sort hidden at a given set of coordinates. There are a number of variations in the classic game Uno, but how many total cards are in the traditional deck of the card game? Oh, Don't forget geez. to count all the number of cards, action cards, wild cards, and I'll give you within a plus two. Oh, I is there like, that many cards in Uno? I feel like it's so. a fat stack. It's a fat. It's a fat. Deck. It is a fat. Fat. I deck. played Uno within the last two weeks. There are multiple draw fours. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. We play could, it I, at school. I guess we could go with your because I I haven't played Uno in years. So all right, we got to guess. Well, I feel, I like, feel two hundred. Yeah, I mean the the stack is is a good handful. Like it's it's about the same size as my double sleeved magic decks. How many cards are in that? A hundred. So I feel like it's about two hundred. Well, it all comes down to magic again. I, I'm good with two hundred. That sounds good to me. All right, we're going with one fifty. Well, there are one hundred and eight. Oh, they're just. Thick cards. 76 number cards, 24 action cards, and 8 wild cards. Actually, that's dumb. I should have thought about it because the box of Uno <laughs> is basically like the same thickness as a regular box of playing cards. I should have just doubled it. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> if anyone knows about fat stacks, it's Matt because he's always got one in his pocket. <laughs> Roll, rolling with cash in his pocket. Um, yeah, I haven't played Uno in years, so I had no idea, Ken, so at least you were close. Skip. Reverse. Next question. All right. Question three, multi-cash. Much like a traditional cache, uh, but this will involve visiting two or more locations before getting to the end. The longest one I have done was 32 stages while visiting all the bridges and arches of Central Park in New York City. It was a very long, fantastic day to explore the park, but there ought to be a law about how many stages one can visit in one day. What prolific landscape architect was responsible for the design of Central Park in New York City, as well as the grand necklace of parks in Milwaukee and a suburb of Chicago? We oh. can lock in Matt. Um, oh, I happened to recently visit Central Park, He's and I know on. this answer. Did okay. Neil yammer at you? Neil may or may not have pointed out this uh, particular gentleman, and um, yeah, we're good. All right, so you're locked in. Um, so it's an interesting history. Uh, the the man who designed it, um, known for being a New Yorker, kind of has a comedic uh, bent to him. Uh, didn't have a really good film career, but uh, you might have seen him on SNL. Joe Piscopo. No, it's not. I'm just kidding, Ken. Uh, yeah, there's a suburb right next door here that uh, we all used to drive through uh, at night because it's very dark and you can't see where you're going. And we locked in with Olmstead. Yeah, I believe the community he's talking about was the first intentionally planned community in the United States, uh, Riverside, Illinois. 
We also went Frederick Law Olmsted. Frederick Law Olmsted is correct. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know he he did Riverside as well as Central Park? No. Yeah. He got around, man. Cool. It's history right here, Matt. Right here. And you, you left it so all. There's a, uh, there's a Frank Lloyd Wright house in that community. I know. Frank Lloyd Wright, also, as Neil recently found out, <laughs> thanks to me. He was an architect. Who did the Guggenheim, which is right no. next to Central Park. Mm-hmm. And some houses in Oak Park. They talk about yeah. it a lot. <laughs> all right. Question four. Mystery cache. This type of geocache may involve a puzzle to solve before finding the correct location of the hide. In 1975, the New York Times ran a front-page obituary for fictional character. To date, this is the only fictional character to ever have that happen. Who was it that died? I feel like what we've was the date in 1975? question Just before. in 1975. Okay. Yeah, we're locked in. This, was def- this definitely came up at a pub trivia night before. Hmm. Who died or in 1975? Or did it? Or did it? Uh, maybe not. Well, Mr. Pina died, but they didn't, that was recent. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> what a great uh, little stunt that was, wasn't it? They brought him uh, back. He was roasted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe it. Camel, that was one of my guesses, but I think he went way through the 80s. No, I think he's still kicking with lung cancer, isn't he? Wow. Um, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I'm at a total loss here. Uh. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. I'm I'm a little surprised because this was on a very recent episode. Mm-hmm. So recent that I think at the time of this recording, it's not out yet. I think I edited it, but you haven't listened to it, Jeff. Probably. Perot, right, Neil? <laughs> Hercule Perot, I'm oh. pretty sure. Correct. That is it. Ugh. One of my favorite uh, literary characters of all time, Jeff. Come on. Did you? Hey, Jeff, did you know... That she wrote the last book really early in her career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is what we said. Oh, that's what we were talking about, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, really? She did that? And I was like, yeah. All right. Oh, it's fine. Question it's five. the second time, too. Good. There's Good no way Earl could know. It's not out yet. Good that's enough. true. No. He would have no idea. There's no way now, I could know. It's not like I was there or something. Yeah. <laughs> There's no excuse for anyone who listens to our show to not know that after this moment. Written by Agatha Christie, by the way, just in case you what? forgot. Question five, letterbox hybrid. Starting in England in 1854, letterboxing is a treasure hunting style of outdoor activity using clues instead of just coordinates to get to the final location. You might liken this activity to pirate treasure map, start at a particular place, head west for 30 paces and take a left. A rubber stamp will be in the final container for finders to record their visit. I know of one letterboxer the wonderful Sharon Sachs. Uh, Sharon is currently starring on Broadway as Madame Morrible in Wicked, and I asked her for a question five, and this is what she sent me. Do you know who the wardrobe supervisor on Broadway's Wicked is? She's also the supervisor on A Chorus Line and Dreamgirls to list a few of her Broadway shows. She's the recipient of the honorary 2007 Tony Award, Tony Honors for Excellence in the Theater, the first wardrobe person to be honored. I don't know any wardrobe people, Neil. Mm-mm. Okay, yeah, I'll pick. I'll pick someone. We can lock in. Oh, there's a. They just added someone like that on She-Hulk. Makes all the costumes for superheroes. Yeah, so that guy. Yeah, the guy who makes Daredevil's mask. Yeah, we just uh, were thinking of film customers. Don't think that they did Broadway, but uh, we know that that uh, she won the Oscar uh, for Black Panther. Ruth E. Carter is what we went with. Well, it is Alice Gilbert. 
Hmm. Alice Gilbert. And you said that they, uh, well, a lot of people wouldn't know this because they don't know you, but uh, you've done a ton of theater. I have done a ton of theater. Um, professional theater here in Chicago, and uh, you've met some great performers, and you've done a, a million shows. You've given us uh, tickets, uh, which was really nice mm -hmm. of you to do, but do you have a favorite show you've worked on before? Because you've worked on, I don't know, like over 50, right? Uh, yeah, over 50 large shows. Uh, Spamalot has been my favorite. Mm, Spamalot. Mm -hmm. All right. After five questions in the first round, it looks like Earl Interrupted needs to be a little bit more forceful because they only have 20 points, and the Spice Earls are sitting pretty with 30. All right. Question six, webcam cache. These are geocaches that use existing web cameras used for other monitoring purposes. The goal is to get a, in the camera shot and do a screen capture from the corresponding webcam website. One of the most famous webcam caches in the world is London, Beatles Abbey Road. On the famous album cover, Paul McCartney is barefoot. What footwear had Paul been wearing just before the iconic picture was taken? All right, we're going to go ahead and lock in with the guess here. I'm trying to remember the story. I know I've heard it, but I'm sure I have all the details mixed up. I feel like maybe it was like agitating him or something, and he had to take them off for whatever reason. And Didn't John say, Paul, we're wearing the same boots? <laughs> Well, you know, I got, I got the, uh, I got the bunions, all right. You, you know, uh, it's going to be embarrassing if we're wearing the same shoes. You want me to walk across Abbey Road for four miles? I got bunions on my feet, okay? Well, <laughs> you know. That accent died at the end. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think it's. Uh, my guess would be it's something that's easy to take off. So I like was a thinking, sandal. I think I was thinking sandal is something like you would just take them off. Okay. But, because boots and that, it's, there's a lot of unlacing. There's a lot of... Yeah, I was, I was thinking it wasn't the opposite. I don't think it was like Wellingtons or Doc Martens or something that was Pen much pictures. more... Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm good at going with the classic sandal. Yeah, sandal. Wouldn't it be great if it was... Or in Doc Martens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said uh, sandal as well. Correct. Uh, sandals. Uh, he claims he took them off because it was too hot. All right. Question seven. Virtual cash. This type of geocache is about discovering a location instead of finding a physical container. There are many virtual caches in, at national parks and around famous memorials of Washington, D.C. One such virtual cache takes you to the World War II memorial. There is a piece of permanent graffiti on the memorial. Don't worry, it was planned to be there. What famous bald-headed man with a prominent nose peeking over the wall did U.S. soldiers tag wherever they went? Oh, and he has a name. That does not look like a nose, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff's drawing crude pictures here, like Jonah uh, Hill and Superbad. It's like initials, not like I something, I see Yeah, it's something. something, something was here, right? Isn't that what they tagged? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Kil Kilroy was here. Kilroy? Yeah, I think it's Kilroy. Okay. Yeah, we said Kilroy. Kilroy was here, yep. Now, who is Kilroy? Nicely done, Matt. Stick seems to know who Kilroy is, right? Isn't that the song, Mr. Roboto? They say, Kilroy, right? And uh, how did you know that one, Ken? I just knew it. Flat. Like many of Ken's answers, uh, I feel like you yeah. you just know it. But it uh, seems like uh, they made an American anthology film based on uh, Kilroy, which looks like a low-budget uh, horror movie. Um, but uh, as far as Kilroy was here, it's a meme, uh, as Earl said, became popular during World War II. And it may have been derived from a British cartoonist in 1938. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All mm. right. My drawing was very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. 
My grandfather fought in World War II, and when I was little, he taught me how to draw. Kilroy was here. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Question eight, category of earth cache. This type brings people to a specific location to learn about a unique geological feature of the earth. The first earth cache was placed in Murramang National Park in Australia in 2004. There are now over 14,000 of these earth caches now crisscrossing over the southern continent. What constellation is on Australia's flag? Don't disappoint our Australian listeners, Matt. I know, there's so many. I believe it's the Southern Cross. That's a constellation? Yes. Sounds good to me. The only problem is, what if it's the one on New Zealand's flag? And I've completely ruined our Australia, (laughs) New Zealand goodwill. (laughs) Um, But I'm comfortable going with the the Southern Cross. I think that's correct. Yeah, we said that too. Southern Cross is correct. All right. Good job. Nice. Now here come the points. We're doing better. <laughs> All right. Question nine. Event cache. A gathering of local area geocachers at a specific time and date. These events could be a flash mob of everyone wearing big hats, going to a restaurant, or just a meet and greet while traveling to a new area. At the age of 17, what famous Italian chef catered President Woodrow Wilson's second wedding reception in 1915? Edge. Famous chefs in 1915? I mean, it would be great if it was this chef, like the actual chef, but I don't know if, if that's why Can they... serve ravioli from a can? Oh, sure. Because <laughs> maybe that's where they, they got a name. I don't know. I Could that be wrong? I'm trying that's to think terrible. of terrible. A... I don't know why I also went to Boyardi, but uh, that seemed to be the, the angle you were taking, Matt. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. I, I, gonna... do, I don't know old-timey chefs in... Uh... Chef Boyardi is Italian, right? Uh, Boyard, yeah, Paul Boyardi. I believe he was an Italian American. They, they like uh, anglicized his name for the um, product, uh, but uh, unless you can think of another famous like Italian product, Bertoli, Prego, um, yeah, Ragu. I, I, I'm, <laughs> Paul, yeah. Paul. I don't know what uh, these things mean. Naming all the terrible pasta sauces. <laughs> <that you can. laughs> but I'm good. Do you want to go? Boyardi. Yeah, I'm good with Okay. That. Paul Boyardi, mall chef. Uh, yeah, we said Paul, or Chef Boyardi. Yeah, it was indeed Chef Boyardi. Nice. Oh, I thought I shouldn't have gone down that road, but I'm glad we did. So he was a, he was a legit chef before he had the, the canned stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question 10. Sido event. That's a cash in, trash out, or Sido, as an environmental cleanup event. Geocachers will conduct litter cleanup, remove invasive species, plant trees, or build trails. In 2021, vacuum company iRobot produced Roombas branded with this popular band for the release of their new album. No word if this Roomba is still cleaning up Beverly Hills or not. That's where I want to clean. (laughs) (laughs) I was just making... It sounds like you know... Yeah. Um, I was just making fun of your brother that every single thing that they do is a gimmick now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Anyways. My, my brother loves Weezer. Yeah, I've, I've taken yeah. him. I don't even know how many shows. Doesn't. We're going with Weezer. Was this on the blue vacuum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go with uh, Weezer. It's appropriate because their music for the last 20 years has been vacuous. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it sucks. <laughs> It is the Weezer Roomba, and the Roomba is spelled W-R-O-O-M-B-A. The W is silent. 
Say it ain't so, Earl. <laughs> All right. Well, Earl interrupted, uh, and the Spice Earls, I think, uh, batting perfect. Second half of the first round there, picking up 50 points each, which means the scores going into the swing round are Earl interrupted at 70 and the Spice Earls 80. So, Earl, uh, you're hosting today's game, but you're also a Patreon supporter, so we appreciate you uh, helping us and supporting the show. Um, if you'd like to join Earl, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcasts. And one of the big reasons that we want you to go there, other than the hours and hours of audio content, over 30 hours of extra audio content and perks and all the good stuff, is this episode uh, will appear ad-free on our Patreon from a dollar a month to $100 a month. and uh, for Or more if you're feeling... Or crazy more. generous. So for as little as $12 a year, you can listen to our show ad-free on Patreon every single episode. Or $1,000 a week if you feel so inclined. That's <laughs> true. If you're Bruce Wayne or or you're uh, Scrooge McDuck, just throw us a coin. Yeah. On to the swing round. Swing round. All right. One of my other favorite activities is collecting Pez dispensers. So this is a Pez-themed round. Ooh. All right. Delicious. So uh, I have 12 different questions here. Each one is going to be a flavor of Pez. So you just need to come up with the flavor. Uh, I did not use any sugar-free or kind of weird ones. There um, are 12 flavors of Pez. There are more They all just than... taste like Pez to me. <laughs> sugar. <laughs> Some chocolate are... was the flavor. Some are foreign and retired, um, and each answer is used only once. So okay. if you use something, it's done. All right. 12 questions, five points apiece. Yeah. Let's have them. One, this is the original flavor that gives Pez its name. Two, the key variety of this flavor is often associated with Florida. Three, introduced in 2017, Ruby is marketed as the fourth type of this flavor and is notable for its natural pink color. Four, this flavor is about 635 to 590 nanometers in wavelength. Five, the main ingredients of this flavor are sugar, flour, butter, eggs, vanilla, and either baking powder or baking soda. It might be frosted after baking. Six, this is a sweet drink flavored with vanilla, cinnamon, citrus oils, and other flavorings. Seven, this flavor is native to Australia and produces the woody fruit called gum nut. Eight, she was created by Shigeru Miyamoto to be a damsel in distress. Nine, this flavor is the reproductive structure found in angiosperms. Ten, this flavor is dark in color, slightly acidic, and has a stimulating effect in humans. Eleven, this flavor was introduced at the 1904 World's Fair and originally called Fairy Floss. And twelve, fill in the blank of this quote from the movie Stand By Me. If I could only have one food to eat for the rest of my life, that's easy, Pez. Blank flavor Pez. No question about it. All right. We'll be right back with our best answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, 
shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are back with our answers. Let's have the questions one more time, please, Earl. All right. Number one, this is the original flavor that gives Pez its name. Neil said he was pretty sure that it's uh, German in origin, and I said, uh, I think lemon is the original flavor. Uh, we also think it's German in origin, but we think it's short for a lot of letters for peppermint. Peppermint is correct. It Gross. Used, the German word is pfefferments. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Matt and I were talking. We had definitely heard something about this before. So yeah. I don't want a peppermint pez. <laughs> Number two, the key variety of this flavor is often associated with Florida. We said lime. Yep, pretty dumb that it took us so long to get to it when I'm drinking a key lime flavored beverage. <clears throat> so, uh, But we did settle on key lime. Uh, lime is correct. Three, introduced in 2017, Ruby is marketed as the fourth type of this flavor and is notable for its natural pink color. The only uh, fruit I can think of that has a ruby variety and is naturally pink would be the grapefruit. We agree, grapefruit. This time it is chocolate. Oh, oh wow. First chocolate. of all, a gross. <laughs> Have you had the chocolate pads? I have. I have some in my collection. It tastes kind of like um, condensed quick. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of your collection, you have a gigantic collection. How many pads do you have? I have, have over 2,000 different uh, dispensers, each one wow. different from the last in some way. Yeah. And I've I seen it. I see uh, you on A&E. <laughs> <laughs> it is Quarters. a beautiful collection. You've built special uh, display, display cases, cases and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I have... Two Pez, and they're both Star Wars, unsurprisingly. So. Oh, nice. You're on your way. Do you have that um, that very rare plaster caster uh, Pez dispenser? No. no. Okay. Somebody will like that joke. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> <laughs> here? Death. <laughs> All right. Question four. This flavor is about 635 to 590 nanometers in wavelength. Uh, we think it's a light spectrum, and we said orange is a delicious light. Yeah, we thought uh, x-ray doesn't taste very good, <laughs> uh, and we settled for orange. Orange is correct. Five, the main ingredients of this flavor are sugar, flour, butter, eggs, vanilla, and either baking powder or baking soda. It might be frosted after baking. We said birthday cake or cake. Yeah, we settled with cupcake, but it's all general cake. Uh, this flavor is sugar cookie. Oh, that makes more sense. Very no close. points for anybody. Yeah. No points. <laughs> Number six, this is a sweet drink flavored with vanilla, cinnamon, citrus oils, and other flavorings. 
I was kind of arguing for eggnog, but we went with uh, Dr. Pepper. I think that makes a lot of sense. We we just said cola, but I think that I think you guys are right. I think you're right with cola. Ooh. <laughs> That's some... Matt coming in clutch. <laughs> BS. <I know> my <laughs> colas. Uh, number seven. This flavor is native to Australia and produces a woody fruit called the gum nut. Not happy with this one now. Yeah, we I mean, said cola. Yeah, we just said cola, and, and gum nut is usually what uh, our Australian listeners call us when we get questions about Australia wrong. But uh, this one, we thought we went to the koalas and what they're eating, and we're thinking the eucalyptus. Eucalyptus is correct. Oh, Matt. really? It makes so much sense. What the heck? It's like you just said something Australian and it worked. Yes. We didn't overthink <laughs> it. That's exactly what we did. Number eight. She was created by Shigeru Miyamoto as a, to be the damsel in distress. Peach. Yeah, we said peach. Yep, Princess Peach. Peach. Number nine. This flavor is the reproductive structure found in angiosperms. So we all... Everybody in this room got as far as, like, that's a flower or something to do with plant life, and uh, we couldn't uh, pull it, so we just said generic fruit-flavored. We went with a really appealing one here, didn't we, Matt? Yeah, we think we think that this is just flour. Get the flour This power. is indeed just flour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like the baking ingredient? <laughs> no, like the plant, flour. It's supposed to taste like a plant. Yep. What kind of flour? All These came them. out with the, I Orchid. believe, <laughs> the 1960s. Uh, what were those? They were, I, this won't, you guys won't help me. Uh, Wish you could. <laughs> I know. Uh, it was all the hippie stuff that okay. they came out with, the flower power. Ah, the uh, flower children. And, yeah. Have yes. you tasted this? So it no. tasted like corpse flower. Yeah. This is an old retired one. Hey, can you ever taste a corpse <laughs> flower? Would you eat a corpse? Uh, I guess you would, right? It's just it's fake, right? A corpse uh, flavored Pez? Why not? It's like birds. What's the thing from <laughs> no, Harry Potter? I eat it. The burp birds. Uh, I want to say birds beans. bees, but that's <laughs> you know. Well, I ate a vomit one one time, and I almost threw up myself. So well, I'm the, not eating a corpse flavored one. <laughs> the bean boozle. Like yeah, flavors. yeah. Whatever those are. You're a sick, man. <laughs> flavors fart. It's like gross. <laughs> Why? When Who I did. When I did Oliver, all the kids, before they would run on stage, would do a bean each. Yes. And you'd watch them down the line, and each one would put them in, and they go, and you'd see the ones go, oh, oh and run on stage, and the ones go, ooh, I got the good one, and <laughs> kind yeah. of roulette. Not for me. I don't, I don't need a booger-flavored, like, <laughs> jelly bean. I know we're only halfway through the game, uh, but I think that should, that's our wager. The losing team has to eat five beans of, of unknown origin from the Harry Potter box. For the Bernie bots or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> I'm down with that. That's fine. Yeah. We'll Mail ship them to, to Matt once he yeah. loses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's killing you on the candy, though, right now. Yeah, that's true. Number 10. This flavor is dark in color, slightly acidic, and has a stimulating effect in humans. We just uh, said it sounded like coffee. Yeah, we can't, said coffee. can't get this one wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> Coffee's correct. Conglomerate, yes. <laughs> Conglomerate coffee. Tasty. Number 11. This flavor was introduced at the 1904 World's Fair and originally called Fairy Floss. We said cotton candy. Yep, cotton candy. Yep, cotton candy's correct. And number 12. Fill in the blank of this quote from the movie Stand By Me. If I could only have one food to eat for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pez. Blank flavor Pez. No question about it. Neil knew this one. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is uh, cherry. 
That is not what we said. We said banana. Cherry is correct. Yeah. Wow. Somebody knows their movies here. Not us. Thankfully. At the end of the swing round, it looks like uh, team the Spice Earls is going to pick up 30 points, uh, bringing our total to 110. And uh, Earl interrupted, picking up 45 points, putting them five points in the lead with 115. Well done, guys. And uh, as you've all heard, we now have a wager. So the losing team is going to eat five uh, unknown beans from the Harry Potter bean box, whatever it's called, uh, of weird flavors. And we'll see what happens. I kind of like this game based I hope I get the flavored one, you sick bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Who had to taste test that to make sure it was Corpse accurate? flavored beans. <laughs> yeah, the guy at the Bernie Bots factory being like, I don't know. They Not like, quite right. They apprehensively <laughs> hired Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I like the taste of your beans. Uh. <laughs> All right, round two. Question one, category of names. All geocachers have a unique identifying name, usually something that is meaningful to them uh, to, to sign in on each geocache log. Geocachers I have most often been on the trails with include Badlands, Vegman, Greenback, Jeff Hyfe, Mouse724, Ritaville, Team Alex Abbey, and Triumpher, just to name a few of them. By now, Steven Spielberg's E.T.-themed logo for Amblem Entertainment is familiar to all moviegoers. What movie marked this logo's first on-screen appearance? I wonder if AMC had any theaters back then to show it. So, if you're looking at Spielberg movies in that era, is Gremlins is around... That oh, yep. AMC is a, as a car manufacturer made the Gremlin. Oh. So I think we should go with Gremlins. That ends up being a car question, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I thought about, oh, it's it's the AMC car, but what does that have to do with anything? And I forgot the AMC is the, the Gremlin. I think that's what our answer should be. Yeah, let's go Gremlins. Ooh. Great question. Yeah, we, we just wrote Temple of Doom uh, being the next big one after E.T. So Talk about ripping our heart out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jeff and Matt deciphered all the clues there. It is Gremlins. So uh, my name in the geocaching world is Pez Gremlin. That's what I often use while doing trivia as well. Okay. Oh, so funny. Yeah. I, I saw when he, when he said AMC closed or when it opened, I thought of Wayne's World when they're driving in the scene, and I, I didn't put it together. I'm sorry, Ken. Sorry. All right. Question two, the logbook. Every physical cache will have a logbook, a piece of paper, or a small notebook to sign with a unique geocaching name to prove you've found the cache. Starting in the 1920s and exploding in popularity during World War II flight crews, the servicemen and women would take local currency and sign each other's bills to create a keepsake of their buddy's signatures. These bills were meant to convey good luck to those making transoceanic flights, and some astronauts have continued this tradition while escaping Earth's atmosphere. What are these bills called? Double tap? No, I was going to take a guess at least. Astronaut bills. Well, he said exploding into popularity, so I didn't know if they were like bomb bucks or something goofy TNTs. like that. Um, bomb bucks. Ro rocket bucks. <laughs> rocket. Rocket bucks. Yeah. Rocket dog. Burning up their fuel out here alone. Um, say uh, the, the bill of escape velocity. Yeah, eruption bucks. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, these are called short snorters. No, we were so never. Oh, wow, yeah. we were right there, guys. What are they called? <laughs> short snorters. Short snorters. Yeah, my brother David uh, collects uh, 
money and has quite a few of these in his collection. You know who's a short snorter? Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Got to use hundreds. <laughs> All right. Question three. Adventure Lab. This is a unique outdoor scavenger hunt to find clues one location at a time. These locations do not require physical containers. One such adventure took me on a tour of some famous people's final resting places. One stop was the grave of Shel Silverstein. I was hoping a tree would be growing there for a young boy to sit under, but sadly there was not. Besides being an author, Shel Silverstein earned a Grammy Award for song reading for Best Country Song in 1969. Johnny Cash won Best Country Vocal Performance, Male, with the same song that same year. What song did Shel Silverstein write? Too much info, man. Too, Too much, much on info, that one? Yeah. Are you hurt, Ken? I wanted. I was hurt because I wanted him to stop after I you recognized what the question Johnny was Cash? about. <laughs> no, I, 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 we're locked in. I know the answer. I just wanted him to stop. I didn't want to know Johnny Cash. Mm. I didn't want you guys to know Johnny Cash. Oh, I, I know Shel Silverstein wrote about a boy named Sue. Okay. Yeah, well, that's what we said. A boy named Sue is correct. It's one of like three facts that I can name at any point yes, in time. Yes. I never forget. <laughs> About Shell Silverstein. Yeah. No, in Heck. general, that's it. <laughs> the wombat poop. You've yep. got cute it's wombat got poop. You've got boy named Sue, and you've got what's your third one? Uh, uh, Perot. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> we would have gotten that right if he knew that. All right, question four. Size matters. Geocaches come in many different sizes. Typically, they are a large-sized bucket, a regular-sized ammo can, a small-sized Tupperware container, a micro-sized bison tube, or a nano, which can be smaller than a marble. At 0.1 nanometers in length, what unit named after a Swedish physicist is used to measure wavelengths of light or measure atomic or molecular sizes? Ooh, that's a Jeff question. <laughs> Jeff? What was the measurement? 0. 0.01, 0.01 nanometers. I can think of really short lengths, but that's not the right one. That's what she said. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Max Planck was Danish, but we'll just say it's a Max Planck. Planck's length. We're going to go with a Planck length. And we're going with the Lucky Johansson. This is the Angstrom, named after Andres Jonas Angstrom. Of course it is. We all knew that, right? Guys? I should you have, idiot, Jeff. I should have known that. There's an old IBM film that I used to watch all the time called The Powers of Ten, and they go all the way down to one Angstrom. How did I, I watch forget all that? The time. You get home from school. <laughs> it's like from the 1970s. It. <laughs> Jeff has to pull out a 16-millimeter uh, projector. Real real. <laughs> <laughs> Question five, celebrity geocachers. There are a number of celebrities who have gotten into geocaching. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Will Wheaton, Mio Farrow, Ken Jennings, Perez Hilton, Leah Schreiber, and Hugh Jackman, just to name a few of them. So being question five, I asked somebody not too far away here for a question. Colleen came through with question five. Speaking of Hugh Jackman, 2022 saw him starring on Broadway in Meredith Wilson's The Music Man alongside what two-time Tony Award-winning actress, who also had starring roles in television on Bunheads and Younger. Bonus five points if you can name either one of the other shows she won a Tony for. Well, I love Younger. Great show. I, I know who it is. Okay, locked in. 
Uh, I don't know any of the. I can't remember her other show, but we. I know who it is. We're good. We can lock in. Let them talk. We're not going to talk. We're going to say Sutton Foster, and then we're going to give it over to you because we don't know the to- the show she won Tony's for. Cats. Uh, yes, Sutton Foster, great performer, uh, really great dancer with tap. Uh, and she performed the tap really well in Anything Goes. And I think her other one is Thoroughly Modern Millie. Those are our bonus guesses. Yeah, uh, everything Neil said is correct. Sutton Foster, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and Anything Goes. Oh, give them all the points. So many points. Smart man. After five questions in the second round, it uh, looks like team uh, the Spice Earls still just trailing a little bit. We uh, picked up uh, 25 points with those bonuses, bringing our total to 135, and uh, the Earl interrupted team picking up 30 points, and they are now at 145, so narrowly behind them. Question six, geocaching day. One Chicagoland geocacher, Scott Burks, is Jewish and has invented his own holiday called geocaching, which is celebrated every 25th of December. He will find as many caches as he can, hold an event to see what Christian cachers will leave their family celebrations, and then have Chinese food for dinner. Meaning Messenger of God or My Messenger, what is the last of the books in the Jewish Bible? You know, I haven't read it. <laughs> what What is it? What the is Jewish the Jewish Bible? It's on you're, my you're looking Kindle. for a word that means what? Um, uh, they mean meaning messenger of God or my messenger. I know in the Christian Bible, uh, the New Testament starts with, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts ends with Revelation. Acts. Acts body spray. Yes. Actual rose. Um, but I can't remember the last book of like the old testament which i think might be the same as the last book of the jewish bible i'm not 100 percent sure abraham um i know gabriel was the angel that like said like jesus is here or whatever the herald yeah so he's like a messenger i think um i don't know I I think after some discussion, Matt and I can't think of anything other than that Gabriel was a messenger angel in the Bible, so that's who we're going with. It's funny you mentioned Gabriel, because then anything goes that Sutton Foster is in. There's a song called Blow Gabriel Blow. Um, but uh, yeah, we didn't really know. Um, I think there's a term called Tanakh, or maybe that actually might be the Bible, but I was just thinking poorly, uh, and I apologize, uh, of... Uh, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, when he has to figure out a clue with the, the rocks and the ground. We said Yahweh. Ah, God. Yeah. No, this is the book of Malachi. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Yahweh is just... That just I'll have to God, read that right? one. <laughs> yeah, Yahweh, I think, is just God. Yeah. Yeah. Question seven. The category of geocaching, uh, the other kind. My family came out uh, caching one day with me on our way west. We were looking for a geocache in a bush near a gazebo in Sandwich, Illinois, and my dad found a $20 bill. He thought this new activity was great. Stevie Wonder wrote a song as a tribute to this original Cotton Club orchestra leader who was the first solely depicted African-American on circulating U.S. currency. Who was the musician and on what coin? Half points for each part. Oh, I think I know both parts, Matt. That is good to hear. All right, looks like we're locked in. Thanks to Neil. You guys are locked in too? Yeah, what do you guys have? Uh, yeah, my freshman year of uh, high school, I believe when I was in the band, uh, well, Earl just had left, but we played a song called Sir Duke, and uh, we went with Duke Ellington. 
Yeah, I believe he's on the back of the uh, quarter for Washington, D.C. Oh. Duke Ellington is on the Washington, D.C. quarter. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, great song. What was the bonus for that? Were there bonus points? It was half points for each part. Oh, sweet. Okay, good. So you guys got five. We only got five. And we got ten. Okay. Cool. (laughs) All right. Question eight. Trackables. This is an item having a specific goal placed onto a geocache and then becomes a hitchhiker and is carried from cache to cache. These trackables often have such goals as visiting specific countries, visiting all national parks, or a timed race across the country. What is the size of a regulation soccer goal? Half points for each dimension accurately answered. Yeah, we'll lock in. I think like five meters across and two meters high. Well, I don't know anything about meters, but I'm trying to think of a... Three meters high? I'm thinking of a goaltender because a lot of... I mean, sometimes they're laying out their entire body. To Let's say six meters across, three meters high. What is that in feet? I don't know. Nine no. by 18. I was thinking it's, I was thinking it's probably yeah, like roughly. 12 it's, it's... feet... 12 feet... 12 feet long. 12 feet long, and then goaltenders are like six three, six four, jump entirely high, and their hands don't touch the top. So I'm guessing... 12 by 10, maybe? Feet? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> That's what we'll say. I think it's long. easily twice as wide as it is tall, but... it is. I believe it's three times as wide as it is tall, and I think it's eight feet tall, which would give you 24 feet wide. So that's what we are going with. That's huge. And that is correct. Whoa! Yeah, wow. 24 nice. feet. Indeed. People like goalies only have a little bit to cover, but there's a lot of ground there. So, yeah. It's crazy. So he was right. So, eight feet. He's correct on both. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Question nine maintenance. After some time out in the wild, a geocache may require some maintenance due to weatherproofing, a full logbook, or critters chewing on the container. Nothing quite lasts forever, except for maybe a certain form of carbon. Thermodynamically, what is the most stable form of carbon? Um, I have a guess. All right. We're locking in with Jeff's guess. All right. I guess we'll just say diamond. Yeah. Sure. Okay. We're going to say diamond. Actually, graphite. Diamonds are not forever. Question 10. Muggles. The word muggle was adopted from the Harry Potter series of books used to describe someone as non-magical. In geocaching, it is used to refer to someone who does not geocache. In what London station is platform nine and three quarters located? Neil has written a couple uh, stations down for me, and I like the third one. Okay, we'll lock that so one in. in. Wembley yeah. Station. Wembley. That sounds British. L- London Dairy. You sound uh, like you're from London. <laughs> Heathrow. That's an airport. Um, Big Ben Station. Incorrect. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you want to guess? Abby's Station. Yes, we're going to go Abbey Station. All right, uh, we selected something that the ruler of England might be if uh, the princes are too loud. Yeah, we we, uh, we wrote down King's Cross because we weren't sure if it was that Waterloo mm. or Paddington. Yep, King's Cross Railroad, Railway Station. Oh, man, I really pulled that one <laughs> out of my ass because I knew that was possibly one of them. Paddington's a real one? where he gets his name from i know nothing of this bear i get yelled at all the time you've never seen paddington or paddington 2 loves paddington she wrote 10 questions about paddington i didn't know any of them 
Well, you're off the show now until you see it. So yeah, and that Nick Cage movie, there's a whole thing about Paddington 2 being like his favorite movie. Nick Cage's favorite movie? I think it's, yeah, I think it might be his in the movie. You'll, you'll have to see it. The That's Unbearable it Weight of Genius or whatever yes. it's called. At the end of regulation, it looks like Team Spice Earls is only picking up uh, 15 points, unfortunately, bringing our total to 150. But Team Earl Interrupted picking up 20 points, bring their total to 165. So we're still behind, Ken. It's looking bleak. <laughs> so what are our final round categories, Earl? Final round categories. One, geocaching in space. Two, geocaching in every state. Three, geocaching lows. Four, geocaching explosions, and five, geocache codes. I don't know what any of this means. All in. Okay. All the wagers are now locked in. Let's hear those questions, and we'll give uh, some thought to them. One, geocaching in space. Yes, my hobby is on another planet. Thanks to geocacher and NASA scientist Dr. Francis McCubbin, the first interplanetary trackable is located on a calibration target on the Perseverance rover on Mars. Mars has a day that is about 40 minutes longer than that of the Earth. Within 5%, how many Earth days is a Martian year? Question 2. Geocaching in every state. One goal many geocachers have is to visit every state and find a cache in it. On February 16, 1968, the first 911 call was placed by Representative Rankin Fight from the Haleyville Mayor's Office. A bright red telephone received the call at the Haleyville Police Station. In what state was this first 911 system used? 3. Geocaching lows. The deepest point on the Earth's crust is Challenger Deep. Of course, a geocacher has been there and placed an Earth cache in Challenger Deep. Most Americans will never get to this inhospitable and very bad spot for humans, but instead can visit a very low spot that is 282 feet below sea level. What is the name of this lowest spot in North America located in Death Valley National Park? 4. Geocaching Explosions On occasion, a local bomb squad has been called out to detonate a suspicious-looking geocache called into the authorities. It is always wise to ask for permission for placement to prevent such occurrences. Speaking of explosions, during World War II, the Office of Strategic Services developed a powder that was designed to look and act like flour. It could be baked into something such as pancakes and consumed without exploding. What was this special powder known by amongst the operatives? And five, geocache codes. There is a hint on most cache pages encrypted in a rotated 13 code. This is a simple letter substitution, meaning you can replace a letter with the 13th letter following it in the alphabet. Other mystery cache puzzles use any number of codes to solve them. The Capitol Records building in L.A. has a light on top that has continuously blinked out a word in Morse code since 1956, with two known exceptions to this message. In 1992, the message was changed to Capitol 50 for the 50th anniversary, and prior to Katy Perry's album release, it read Katy Perry, Prism, October 22, 2013. Nobody noticed that last change. Other than those two exceptions, what is the continuous word blinking in code above the building? All right, we will be right back with our answers. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. 
But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. All the answers are now locked in. Let's go back to Earl for the clues, and we'll give our answers. All right. Number one, geocaching in space. Uh, within 5%, how many Earth days is the Martian year? Gee, we don't know. We bet 20 points, and we said 540. <laughs> we also don't know. Bet 30 points, took a stab, said 650. All right. There are 687 Earth days to a Martian year. 5% would have been... Uh, 652 oh. to 721. My heart hurts. <sighs> how, how, how many did you lose that one by? Two. Two? Two. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sowie. All right, question two. Uh, where In what state was the first 911 system used? Once again, we don't know. We bet 10 only on this one. We guessed New York. We wagered too much, uh, 30. <laughs> we don't know anything. One uh, 50 shot. Yeah, and we said Virginia. Alabama. <sighs> Close. Did you say that? I said Arkansas. Oh, okay, Arkansas. Yeah. I'm cool with this. I like, I like just the bleeding, but we're bleeding less. All right, question three. What is the name of the lowest spot in North America located in Death Valley National Park? Uh, Neil said it was basin something, and he said it was alliterative, so we went with what? Badwater basin. Yeah, I think we're going to uh, throw a uh, uh, a saving roll here to stabilize, and we said badwater basin. Badwater basin is correct. All right, so we got 10 points on that one. You guys got 30. Yes. Question four. What is the special powder known amongst the operatives during World War II? Uh, we did uh, 20 points on this one, and uh, no idea. We just said anthrax. We wagered 30 again. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about it? Like fools. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what do we say. Baking, what do we say? We said C4. C4. No, they called it Aunt Jemima. 
Oh. Make it into pancakes. Wow. Ay, ay. So we're doing great. <laughs> this is good. This is fine. I think we ended a tie. Yeah. The way we'll it's looking see. right we'll now. See. <laughs> Number five. What is the continuous word blinking in code above the Capitol Records building? And we only wagered 10, but uh, Neil had a guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure just from being in L.A., people talk about it all the time. I think it's just Hollywood. We wagered 30, and being a Hollywood man myself, I happen to know that it was Hollywood. Yep, Hollywood is correct. Looks like with the points here, uh, Team uh, Spice Earls is going to be losing 30 points off of their total score, bringing us to 120 and Earl interrupted, only going to be losing 30 points. Yeah, we also lose 30 points, and, unfortunately. Uh, that brings you to 135. So you win by 15 points with a total of 135 points, making you today's cream of the crop. The cream was at the top. Oh, yeah. Yay. Way to hold. Way to hold, boys. Hold. And now, and now we don't have to eat dirty diaper beans. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to so, eat the, the corpse bean. That was maybe a little too uh, specific. Seeming. <laughs> Explicit. Parental uh, advisory. Earl, that was, a, that was a really fun game. I know you've been talking about coming on the show for a long time, and uh, we can tell that you uh, put a lot of care into writing the questions. I hope it didn't suck. No, no, it was, it was great. We hope our listeners enjoy it. We know that they will, but uh, would you like to give any shout-outs? Anyone you want to say hi to? Anything else you'd like to talk sure. about? Um, I'll shout out my trivia team, uh, Rambo's Joy. That's my brother James, his wife Kim, Lauren, Neil, Dustin, Phil, and Brianne. And that's Neil with an uh, N-E-I-L, different Neil. It's a different Neil, for yeah. sure. And, uh, we learned a lot about geocaching today. I didn't know it, it was so involved. I thought you just you know went to a spot. I didn't but, even know what it was, and now I'm interested. <laughs> could you take us all geocaching and we'll like podcast a bonus? I will take you all. Sure. Okay. Because I have not, I mean, you did a little bit with me, but it I, seems pretty fun. Yeah. Nice. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, Matt, anything from you before we let you go? No, of course not. What no, am he's, I doing? He's, wait, he's waiting to go to bed. He's waiting. To, <laughs> he's waiting to go to bed. He's, he's, mo- ready, he's got the 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 little bed cap on. Yeah, right? you're not even you're not even working yet, Matt. Right? You're just mowing <laughs> like lawns like over there. With yeah. Matt and his stocking, and I and my cap. Uh, yeah, I yeah. freshly starched my sleeping cap. I'm ready to yeah. go. <laughs> Well, uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming on, Earl. Uh, thank you also for being a Patreon supporter. For everyone listening, uh, we do have a Discord. We have our Facebook group, The Crop. You can find us on all social media at Triviality Pod. But most importantly, uh, we want to tell you that this podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. You can visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to all their other fine shows like Everything Everywhere, Art of History, and Good Job Brain. But uh, for today's episode, that's going to be it. So for Earl, Ken, Jeff, Matt, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. And what's the most interesting you found in a geocache location? Oh, um, there are all st- a lot of different locations. You ever find uh, a dead body? <laughs> <laughs> Not Sorry, human. I knew you were going to ask. Uh, because I, I remember when we were there, there was like something inside the, the a tree, like yeah. the hole of a tree. Yep. And I imagine you could like pull a heart out of it if you wanted. You could. All right. Yeah. Okay. The tree's heart. We'll do an official Triviality Geocache, and it'll just be all of our own personal trinkets you have to find. <laughs>